Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest and Mr. Eden Markowitz from Madison Specs. Before we dive in, I wanted to ask a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds to head over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. I love reading those reviews. This makes my day. Uh, so please, if you wouldn't mind leaving that five-star review, I would really appreciate it. Okay, let's dive in. Eden Markowitz is a cost segregation expert with Madison Specs. They are one of the largest cost segregation firms in the country with over 17 years of experience. In today's episode, we will discuss why mobile home parks are one of the best asset classes in commercial real estate for cost segregation. We are also going to do a deep dive into what cost segregation is and why it is important right now for mobile home park investors. And also, we're going to touch on the best ways to use it in order to maximize your tax savings. Eden, thanks for coming on, man. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, Eden, would you mind starting out by giving our listeners a brief explanation of what cost segregation is and why it is important in 2023? Yeah, so cost segregation basically is accelerating your depreciation. So for all the listeners out there that don't really know what depreciation is real quick, Every year, if you own investment property outside of your personal residence, you get tax deductions. So on residential properties, 27 and a half year depreciation schedule on commercial properties like retail centers, office buildings, you're on a 39 year commercial property. So if you do nothing about that, you take the land value and you divide it by 27 and a half for 39 years. And that's what your deduction looks like every year. So that's what we call straight line depreciation. If you never did a cost segregation study, that's kind of what you're looking at every year. So, you know, we all talk about how real estate is great for taxes and tax benefits. You know, even if you did no cost segregation study, still benefits of owning investment real estate. Now, the better part is cost segregation. So there are certain aspects of every property that you own that are on a shorter lifespan than 27 and a half or 39 years, right? Like in a residential property, we're talking about flooring, cabinets, light fixtures on the inside, window shades, all these items on the exterior. There's concrete, landscaping, fences, tons of items that are not going to last 27 and a half or 39 years that can be accelerated. So what cost segregation essentially is doing is breaking down every aspect of any investment property you own, putting it in its proper categories, its buckets and getting you those benefits when you really should be getting them as opposed to waiting all those years and doing nothing if you didn't do a cost sex study. That's awesome. Would you mind, yeah. you know, telling us like what's the average cost of a cost segregation study on a mobile home park? For mobile home parks, I would say somewhere in the four to 6,000 range, depending on the size and the intricacies. So the more structures you have, you have C stores and you have self storage and you have you know, laundry facilities, it can get a little bit more complex. So depending on the size and what kind of is on the property, we'll create in our free proposal, which we'll talk about later on, kind of the cost for each specific property. Gotcha. And, and how long does that usually take 
you know, to do a cost seg study? Because you guys have to actually physically go on site typically, Correct. right? And inspect the property to kind of classify and put things in those buckets. Yeah. So depending on the time of year, we'll get a lot of last minute people just, hey, I need this done in five days or in two weeks. The normal, I would say average is two to four weeks. If I have people reaching out, we're what, three weeks away from the October 16th deadline. And I have people reaching out today that need stuff done in the next three weeks. So we try to make ourselves available for last minute studies. But I always tell people, if you know you're going to need them, which a lot of people do, you know, be proactive, get it to us earlier on after you close on the property. That way you're not scrambling last minute. But to answer your question, two to four week is a general, you know, time span to get them done. Okay. And is there an ideal time of year to order a cost segregation study? I mean, closer to deadlines, it's a little bit crazier. And then if there's any revisions that need to be made last minute, you know, you know, you forgot to provide some information or whatnot, you know, as the deadlines come, I mean, I'm up till two o'clock in the morning before the deadlines doing last minute stuff. So, you know, the ideal time is after you close on a property. If you're, if you know you're going to need it, you know, just get it done. My, my philosophy is be proactive. You know, once you close on the property and you know you're going to need it done for that year, just get it out of the way and submit it beforehand. That way you're not, you're not stressing, we're not stressing, and the study is done and good to go, ready for taxes. I think one thing that I learned about cost eggs is, you know, it's not just about like getting it done before the, you know, the October 15th timeline, right? It's, you know, you like we just ordered all of ours for the properties we bought this year and it's, mm -hmm. you know, late September. We have a goal every year of getting our K1s out by March 15th. So we ordered them now. They take a little bit longer, I think, because we have so many of them to come in. Mm -hmm. But basically, you can write off, tell me if I'm wrong here, but like CapEx expenses that we spend from now through the end of the year are all you know depreciated as well, right? So if we spend money rehabbing mobile homes or installing signage, installing new fencing on a new acquisition that happens maybe two weeks from now, you'll take the financials you know, of what we spend from now until the end of the year and add that into our amount that can be depreciated. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll usually look at the purchase. So when you purchase the facility, the, the park, we'll look at it the way it was when it was purchased, right? So that's one important thing to start looking at. Now, even if you owned a property for three or four years, if you're spending, you know, putting in 25 new pads or whatever landscaping or putting in new fences or you know, anything I usually like to say 75 or 100K and up. If you're spending a few two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in CapEx, that will warrant us to take another look. So even if you bought the property two or three years ago, you're talking about a scenario where you bought the property this year and immediately or a few months later, you're doing significant improvement. So improvements are always great for cost seg studies. It's kind of a different way because we're not looking at existing structure. We're looking at you know, your budgets and what but you I'm spend talking about on combining it. it. So I think we're kind of crisscrossed. We can't, so I'm yeah, saying we, I, we bought a property, so I want to do mm -hmm. it on, you know, what we're buying, but I also want to include, you know, the CapEx that we're spending because we're correct. We bought it, it for a million dollars. We spent 300 grand, you know, on infill and on, you know, mm -hmm. that stuff. I want all that to be included in the 2023. Yeah, it can, it can be done. It can be done in the same study. It's, okay. I mean, a lot of times we deal with people who are doing it in the next tax year or a couple of years later, they're waiting to fill up the existing spots and then they're doing the CapEx a year or two later. Gotcha. But like you said, you can do, if you bought it and immediately you're adding 25 new paths or doing significant improvements, 
you can do it all together. Gotcha. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. is there a purchase price limit that you recommend? Like, does a cost segregation study make sense if you buy just like a small, you know, nine lot mobile home park and maybe it costs 250 grand? Does it make sense to do a study? Well, on so, so that's where mobile home parks differ from most asset classes. I think we'll touch upon this in, in the episode, but because the numbers are so freaking high, they're so high for mobile home parks, the percentages that we're able to get on the cost seg are so high. I would say $200,000 would definitely be a value to do a cost seg study. Whereas if you brought me an office building or a single family house that was 200,000, it may not make sense. So because the percentages are so much higher than most asset classes, I mean, I'm happy to look at anything. And why is it higher? Why is it higher for mobile home parks? Okay, so we touched on this a little earlier, but basically what we're doing is breaking down the different components of the property and, and getting their lifespans uh, in different buckets so that we can accelerate what's acceleratable, right? Mm-hmm. So mobile home parks, right? There's not much structure, right? If you're buying multifamily, you're buying an office building, retail center, a lot of that is made up of the building, right? You have the foundation, you have the walls, you have the drywall, you have roof. Most of that stuff is what we call structural that cannot be accelerated. So you take you take a look at a mobile home park and there's not much structure there, right? People think, some people will say, hey, it's got a laundry facility and a C-store and all these kind of things. That, those are actually bad for cost sake, right? The more structure and buildings that are on a property at a mobile home park, the less your percentages are going to be in a cost sake study. So the reason why the numbers are so good in general is because there's not much structure that can't be accelerated. We're dealing with well, land, land improvements, right? Correct. Land improvements, the hookups, the actual mobile homes. All of that stuff can be accelerated, and that's why the numbers are two, three, four x of a lot of other asset classes. And that's why you know people say, "Hey, I need significant deductions for this year. You know what? What should I buy?" And mobile homes is on the top of the list because the numbers are so fantastic for cost sex studies. Yeah, I heard someone else talk about it. He said like the the top three that that makes sense. Top three asset classes are like mobile home parks, RV parks, and golf courses. Because the majority of the the purchase price, you know, that you're spending is on land improvements, and all that it. is 15 year property that can be accelerated in in year one. Is that right? You got it. Correct. That's awesome. Yeah. So yep. that's huge. So that means you know a significant amount of your your purchase price can be basically written off in the first year, right? So yep. would you mind breaking down you know the different parts of a mobile home park? Like there's the land, which obviously you can't depreciate. Mm-hmm. There's land improvements. There's the buildings, right? Which you said is that longer, you know, 27 and a half year mm-hmm. property. And then there's the personal property, which is the fastest, right? That's like the five-year mm-hmm. property if you Correct. own homes. Yeah. And Correct. Yeah. So a lot of like a lot of the mobile homes are five-year properties. Some of them are 15. So if you're buying a park and you're actually owning the homes, park-owned homes, those are going to be subject to bonus depreciation. So you think about it, the landscaping, the pads, the hookups, the electrical, the plumbing, all the fencing around the property, if there's any signs like advertising the property, if there's outdoor lighting, cameras, all these things are going to be accelerated. So, you know, almost, a, you know, almost everything on a mobile home park is subject to bonus depreciation. Like I said before, if there are structures, it's actually bad. So if you have laundry facilities or a store or an office, those are the things that a good chunk of that won't be able to be bonus. 
So those are not great, but still, I mean, if you're buying a good property and it has those things, don't not buy it for that, but it's actually hurts you on the cost seg side. Gotcha. So the land can't be depreciated. That may be 20, 25% of the purchase price. Then you mm -hmm. have land improvements, which is 15 year property. Correct. And you yeah. have personal property, which is five year property. And then the buildings, if you have any, would be like the 27, 27 and a half. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. So the, the bonus depreciation is really a big deal for mobile home parks. Huge. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I just, uh, I did a study last week on a, a group that sent me uh, three parks. And I, I, whenever I get on a call a consultation with a group, I want to understand what their needs are. You know, how much are you looking, how much did you and your partner make this year that you need to offset? And they, they personally tell me they made about $600,000 you know, in 2022, and they're looking to get a study done. They sent me three properties and just looking at it right off the bat, I said, you only need to do one study here. They sent me three parks that they had purchased in 2022. And we were able to get them. It was a 1.3-ish, 1 1.3. We were able to get them $700,000 out of their $1.3 million purchase in 2022 to offset all of their income for the two of them, you know, for 2022. So zero taxes paid for them. And one study, you know, they sent me three. I'm happy to do three studies and make the money on it, but it wasn't necessary. You know, they can do those and roll them over. I said, hey, you guys have, you know, at least one or two more years of depreciation sitting there waiting for you guys to pay no taxes for the next couple of years. That's awesome. So that's, uh, the, that's the power of it. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, return wise, you know, I've heard that there's like a 10x return, right? So you're spending four or five grand, you know, if you buy a property for, you know, if you paid 500,000 for a mm -hmm. property, you know, you're going to get a, t a, you know, 10 times the return on the four or $5,000 cost seg, right? Because you're going to be able to get a significant, uh, you know, tax savings. So that's yeah, roughly on about an easy number to just have out there for everyone is if you buy a park for about a million bucks, you're looking at somewhere between, you know, four and 600 K, uh, depending on, we'll talk about, uh, 2023 and 80% bonus, but just as a rule of thumb, probably somewhere between 400 and 600K uh, tax deduction uh, for that year if you purchase a park for a million bucks. You know, like we said before, depending on how many structures, park owned homes, facilities, uh, it kind of varies property to property, but that's kind of just the ballpark on a million dollar purchase, less 15 to 20% for the land, you're looking at somewhere in the 400 to 600K range. Let's talk about the bonus depreciation phase out, mm -hmm. right? In yeah. 2023, when we're recording this, it's 80%. It was 100% last year. Next year, it's uh, what, 60%? 60, yep, correct. Okay, and when will that go through and, and how will that impact us? Will it make less sense to do a cost seg, you know, a couple of years from now? Obviously, you know, we'd like it to be 100% forever. Those are between 2017 and 2022 or some, some good years for, for us folks that need depreciation, you know, that now down to 80 and going down to 60 in 2024. And like you said, going to be going down 20% every year until phased out. You know, I'm hoping that with, you know, change of, you know, with elections coming up, I doubt it'll go down to zero. We'll see, you know, 20% for the next few years. So we're hoping, you know, it goes to 75 or 80 or hopefully back to 100. So I, you know, if yeah, I we don't bet, want to speculate on what the yeah. future will hold, but yeah, basically yeah. it's being phased out through 2026. Correct. 
Okay. And it's dropping yeah, so 20%, 20% every year. Yeah. Okay. If an investor plans to flip a mobile home park, like say in two or three years, does it still make mm-hmm. sense for them to order and pay for a cost segregation study? So that depends on, you know, kind of what you have going on. We know I have a bunch of clients that know they're going to be selling in two, three years and they need the deductions now and they're willing to deal with the 25% recapture on the back end when they're selling it in two or three years. Tell me a little bit about yeah. that. What What is that? The 25% recapture? What does that mean? So every time you own investment real estate, you're you're automatically taking depreciation on it. You know, whether you're cost segging or bonusing is is obviously up to you. But there is a recapture every time you sell a, a property for a profit. So, you know, if you're front loading and taking the bonus and taking a lot more, when you do sell that property, you are going to have to pay a 25% tax on the depreciation taken. So now what, what we like to, you know, advise is uh, 1031 exchanges. Um, if you're going to roll that over into another property, you can defer that depreciation recapture. So if you're going to be, I don't advise people that are going to be buying a couple of properties, costing them, selling them in a year or two from now and not buying anything else, um, unless you really, really need the deductions now and you're willing to deal with what comes in a year or two when you sell the property. So that's- gotcha. So yeah, so you're basically kicking the, the tax can down the road. You're not, you know, you're not getting away. You're not avoiding taxes entirely. No. You're just kicking it down, down the road. And that's what the depreciation recapture is. Correct. Is it's an additional tax after your capital gains tax when you sell the property. Correct. And one way to avoid that would be the 1031 exchange, which a lot of people are familiar with. Is there any mm-hmm. other ways outside of the 1031 exchange to kick that can down the road? Well, the only other thing we say is, you know, this is really best utilized by people that are repeat buyers. If you're going to keep buying properties, you know, if you're buying one property and then you're done, you know, maybe you know, if you had a great year and you need to offset, you know, income that you made this year, it could make sense to do it. But the strategy really works best for people who are going to be buying multiple properties every year. Not to say if you bought one, it doesn't make sense to do it, but it starts making a lot more sense if you're going to be buying multiple properties every year. And this is part of your tax saving strategy. So those are really the two that I see utilized a lot. We come across a lot of cost seg studies that are coming from properties that were bought with 1031 exchanges, and then, you know, investors that are buying multiple properties every year. Gotcha. So the the cost seg works best for active real estate investors that are, you know, buying and selling. Doing deals. Doing deals. That's right. Ongoing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you can use the losses from a cost seg to offset, you know, the taxes from another deal, right? Correct. If you're a real estate professional status. Yes, sir. And then if you're if your real estate professional status, then you can use it to even offset other monies that you're making. So if you're wholesaling or you're brokering deals or you're doing something else, you're making chocolates out of your garage, right? If you're real estate professional status, the losses that used from a cost segregation study from your depreciation can offset any active income that you or a spouse have. So that's, you know, I like to call it the golden ticket. If you can gain that real estate professional status, you have unlocked many doors to tax savings, right? So it's, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that, you know, their spouse, who whether it be the husband or the wife, were doing a part-time job or even full-time and just kind of quit their jobs because they saw the value in, hey, if I'm an investor do that. Yeah, yeah, one of our investors, his his wife was making, I think it was like $60,000, $70,000 a year. And she 
actually was going to make more than that for the family if she quit that job and became a real estate professional status so that they could just take the advantage tax savings, of just yeah, the tax just savings. The tax. Yep. Yeah. So what yeah, is, I, what is a real estate professional? Can you, can you describe what the requirements are for that? Yeah. So I'm not a CPA. Everybody's got to talk to their own CPA and make sure that they're, they're comfortable with them gaining that status. But uh, the requirements are 750 hours and it has to be more than 50% of your working time. So W2, year, right? So it's 750 yeah, exactly. hours per year minimum. Correct. So the majority of your time is spent in the real estate business. And that could be Correct. doing property management of your own portfolio or other real estate. Brokering. Tax, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brokering, management, collecting rents, visiting the property. You know, if you're doing CapEx or whatever it is, managing construction, that kind of stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So I had one other note here. So you said it would make sense. So I always heard that if it's if the purchase price is 500K or more, it makes sense to get a cost seg. But you were saying it could be as low as 200,000 and you would it would still make sense to get a cost seg study. Is yeah, that, I mean, on a mobile home park, for sure. I mean, uh, we, do, we do a lot of different asset classes. And like I said, it doesn't make as much sense on single family or small little office building. But on mobile home parks, 200,000, I mean, you could be looking at you know, more than 50% of that, you can have a hundred thousand dollar deduction, you know, on your $200,000 purchase price. So you're paying, you're paying like four or 5k for the study and you're getting hundred thousand dollar tax deduction. So, you know, if you're in, you could be saving yourself 25 grand in taxes. So, I mean, my math isn't perfect, but if you're paying 5k and you're saving 25, that's still nets $20,000. Totally. Yeah. No, yeah. thanks for doing the math there. So yeah. is this, you know, I, I was talking with somebody, is there any additional risk or audit risk, you know, for doing this cost segregation study or, you know, any red flags that this brings up to the IRS? Because I mean, this is obviously a, you know, a, a considerable tax savings here. Yeah. So, I mean, technically the way you're supposed to depreciate your property is with cost segregation, right? That is, if the IRS is telling you, your, your carpet depreciates over five years, you're really supposed to depreciate it over five years, right? They told yeah. you that it's not like a some weird loophole that we're coming up with. That's the, if you have a light fixture, you know, certain types of light fixtures are supposed to be depreciated over five years or your land improvements, 15 years, that's the way it's supposed to be done, right? So this is all tax code, no funny business, no loopholes. So it's not going to trigger an audit. This is the way the IRS literally told you to do it. I mean, I've heard people even say, I mean, why would it trigger an audit if this is the way they told you to do it? So yeah, it's, and also it's what, like, they, what they like to see. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Ferd Neiman, who also has the MHP Lawyer podcast. You know, he was saying how the cost seg study is basically your your evidence, right? This is mm -hmm. this is your this is your evidence. You're showing the IRS of why you took these numbers, and it 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 supports your case, right? So it's right. pretty awesome. You know, it's a very yep. powerful tool in commercial real estate. So I was wondering if we could do like a like a case study, right? Like, you know, if we if we bought a property for a mobile home park, say for a million dollars, and we ordered a case, you know, we ordered a cost seg, say it costs, you know, four grand, you know, what would that look like? What is the typical savings we would be able to write off in 2023, given the 80%? So, I mean, it would be somewhere, we, we mentioned this number before, so take off about 15 to 20% of land. So you bought the property for a million bucks, right? 
yep. you're down to about 800 in your basis, right? Yep. So now just for easy numbers, we probably can get a lot more than this, but to keep it nice and round, let's say we were able to get 50% of that as five and 15 year property, right? It's yep. usually closer to 60 or 70 on a mobile home park, but let's just use 50 because it's an easy number, right? So we're looking at 400,000 out of the 800,000 is going to be five and 15 year property. And then we're able to get in 2023, we're able to get 80% of that. Wow. So 400,000 times 0.8, looking at $320,000. Correct. That you're able to write off in the first year. Correct. And you're spending four, 4K to get that. So that's huge. I mean, that's a Sounds pretty sweet, huh? considerable savings. It's a no brainer, right? Yeah. The crazy thing is, you know, in this business, educating people, I come across people that have never heard of this, you know, and it's like, you know, it's one thing if they weren't paying taxes and had some other loopholes and tricks up their sleeves, but I come across people that are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes and own millions of dollars in real estate. And when I say, hey, have you ever done, who are you using? I like to use the term, who are you using for cost sake? Not have you done it, right? And they're like, what do you, what, huh? Cost what? You know, and if you're not using this strategy and there's ways like we talked about the golden ticket of real estate professional status, if you can be using this and you're not, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Totally. Totally. Yep. And then, you know, also like if you bought a property in December, right at the end of the year, you know, you're still going to get, say you bought that million dollar property in, you know, I know Ferd in, in one of his podcasts, he bought a property in, on December 21st. So he owned mm -hmm. the property for 10 days in yep. that year. And he was still able to fully get, you know, in our example, it was $320,000. So if you buy a property this year and, you know, on December 21st, you only own the property for 10 days in, in 2023, you can still get that $320,000 worth of bonus depreciation, right? Yep. That's, that's the beauty of it. So if you buy a property in December and you don't do any cost seg on it, it's all prorated, right? So you're only going to get, you only owned it for 10 days, you're going to get pennies in depreciation. There's basically nothing there, right? If you only owned it for a week. If you do cost seg and use the bonus, you get all of that in the first year, even if, like you said, you owned it for one day. I mean, I back when I started a couple of years ago, the first deal that I got was a guy who, he bought a property that was contracted on December 24th and he closed on the 29th. $5 million oh, wow. property, $5 million property. And I called the guy up and I said, Hey, what's the story here? He said, I don't know. My tax advisor kind of woke up a little bit late. I sold a business for, you know, 4 million bucks this year. And I really needed the deductions. And he kind of told me last minute, like go out and buy a property. He was in San Diego. This property here was in McKinney, Texas. And, you know, you know, he showed up late, but he still showed up. Right. And he was able to get, uh, it was like two and a half million dollar deduction on that prop $5 million property. And, you know, he, you know, he, he just got it in there the last minute, bought the property on December 29th. But like you said, if you're using bonus depreciation, you can buy it December 29th and get all the bonus in that tax year. In that tax year. That's huge. Yes, sir. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about goodwill. I know this is, you know, from some of the other operators I know it's, you're buying a business, you're buying the systems, you're not just buying a, a plot of land when you buy a mobile home park, right? So allocating your purchase price, you know, I've heard 20 to 30% to goodwill. 
will you know help you potentially reduce your property taxes when the property is reassessed you know due mm -hmm. to the sale so how does that goodwill work when you know when you do a cost seg and and yeah just shed some light on that yeah piece. sure yeah so goodwill can't be accelerated unfortunately so you know it's not something that i tell people not to include in the purchase it really depends i mean there can be tax savings like you said uh on the property tax but it's not something that can be included in the bonus depreciation you can't bonus that that's going to stay on a fixed schedule uh so whether or not you do it or you don't is kind of you know in in the owner's uh hands to decide whether the benefits you know outweigh the purchase or on the cost seg study gotcha so the goodwill is depreciated on a 15-year schedule but it can't be can cost be segregated it, it can't Correct. be bonused and brought you know 80 in year one got it gotcha so yeah, each operator needs to kind of decide what works best for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if if the reassessment, yeah, it, it, which is tough, right? Because how do you know what's better, right? Do you take the the property tax reassessment and and do you focus on that, or do you focus on taking the cost seg? I mean, I guess yeah. if you're a long term buy and hold owner, and you know you plan on continually kicking the can down the road, it's probably best not to do the the goodwill allocation and to. Mm -hmm. And to allocate it to right, like depreciable, yeah. you know, bonus depreciable mm -hmm. parts of, of the park, right? Is that kind of what you would recommend for someone that's going to buy yeah. a million dollar property and own it forever? Yeah, makes sense. And I also, you? I'm not, I'm not an expert in property taxes, you know, so I can't advise sure. on how much savings there are upfront, you know, with using goodwill in your purchase agreement. Um, I've had people try to come up with ways to really. Uh, keep their property taxes low and allocate as least as they can to the actual building. But, you know, there's going to be, you know, tax assessors making appraisals on the property. So you can't, I mean, if you have a 50, you know, 50 uh, home park and, you know, down the road, there's another 50 home park and you're saying yours is worth, you know, 500K and the other one's worth 2 million bucks. I mean, there's going to come an end to, you know, your value being super low, you know, the county is going to come in and, and reappraise your property eventually. So that can't last forever either. If you're interested, there's another great podcast interview on this. Uh, it's on the mobile home park lawyer podcast by Ferd Neiman. And it's mm -hmm. episode 22, which he did was how to pay zero income taxes legally while making six to seven figures. It's 24 minutes long. That was a super, super good podcast. So I recommend checking that out. And I think in there for like recommends like he's like yeah so we don't even allocate anything to goodwill now uh we because of the cost, because of the cost seg they want the bonus depreciation instead mm -hmm. uh and they're less worried about the property tax piece more okay. more value there yeah more value there exactly more cost mm -hmm. savings so okay i think we we touched on a lot of stuff here is there a quick way that i can estimate my cost segregation cost segregation savings before a purchase yeah, so the best way to do it is to, you know, reach out to to myself or someone on the team. Uh, we'll create a free proposal. So, you know, if you have a just an address, purchase price, and estimated close date, we'll get a full proposal. It'll take us, you know, a day or two to get it back to you. But, you know, it's free. We all like free things. There's no, there's no harm in doing it. Um, you know, so I have a lot of uh, investors who are doing syndications. And a lot of their investors want to know upfront, dollar for dollar, you know, if I invest $100,000 in this deal, what are my bonus depreciation benefits going to be? So we do a lot of proposals, you know, while 
under due diligence period and investors are wanting to put it in their pitch deck, you know, to show investors, hey, if you give hundred grand, mm-hmm. this is what you're looking at in bonus depreciation in the first year. So I'm always happy to, to create a free proposal on any property. Awesome. Is there any uh, like mistakes that your clients have made that we could learn from so we can avoid those? Like any horror stories or, you know, things with, you know, around this that we could make sure to get right? I think just being timely is important. Like I said before, not waiting to the last minute so that we're, you know, rushing to do things is important to know. And then just documentation, you know, getting the proper, if there are surveys, if there are appraisals, you know, we're obviously going to come and do an actual tour of the property, but we need to know as much as we can so that we know what to do when we're doing the tour. You know, if there's some building out, you know, 10 acres in the back or whatever that we need to know about, we need to know about it beforehand. So just, you know, information, documentation, getting everything in. And the one thing that I've seen is some people think, you know, it's based off of appraised value. Some people have sent me, I say, what was the purchase price? And people will send me what they think it's worth or what the appraised value is. Unfortunately, I wish it was like that on, you know, some of us who get screaming deals that we buy for 50 cents on the dollar. Unfortunately, it just goes off of what you paid for the property, not what it got appraised from an appraiser. Gotcha. That's good to know. That's good to know. So, you know, I'm, I invest passively in some other deals and it seems like my K1s are always, you know, late. So this could be part of the reason you're saying is they order yep. the cost segs, you know, at the last minute and kind of bumping, uh, you know, bumping the can down the road. It's, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. So one last thing for passive investors, you know, people investing in a syndication, what, mm-hmm. what do they need to look out for? What, what type of stuff should they, you know, make sure they're taking into account and how does cost seg affect them? Well, they need to first see how they can use the depreciation against their gains, right? If they're if they're passive in the deal and their both spouses are W two earners, then you know it can only be used to offset other passive gains that they're making, right? So they can't use it to offset you know their W two income or whatnot. If they have other passive gains, which they might, they could offset those, but obviously they want to make sure that they're using utilizing it to their best ability and. Like I said before, you know, it depends what asset class they're investing in. You know, some people maybe, you know, have never invested in a mobile home park before and just don't know about it. You know, it's not, you know, as as popular as multifamily or some of the, you know, other big uh, asset classes that syndicators are raising money for. Hopefully that's going to be changing because, you know, we're spreading the word on the massive benefits of, of uh, you know, cost seg in this area. But they just, you know, they should be aware of upfront what what they're looking, if they invest a certain amount of dollars, what they're going to be getting back. And I always, you know, any syndicators that I work with, I tell them, give as soon as you go under contract, give me the info on the property. We'll get the proposal out. That way you can pitch to your investors exactly dollar for dollar what their depreciation is going to be in the first year. Let's go back to that. So you said for passive investors, if they're both, tub, you know, husband and wife or W-2 earner, earners, this this K-1 with that negative number on it that they get from this syndication is only going to offset passive gains that they've had elsewhere. That could be the sale of stock. That could be mm-hmm. the sale of another, you know, investment that they mm-hmm. got. I know a lot of apartments, you know, have exited and sold in the last couple of years. 
and maybe they have a big gain from that that they can you know utilize this to offset but if they're both w2 it's only going to offset other passive gains is that right correct correct yeah i mean it'll it'll also i mean if they're making money on this property or any other property any other syndications that they've invested in they'll save money on those taxes obviously right so if they're because it carries forward right correct yeah okay awesome but if say one of the the partners one of the husband or wife is a real estate professional then it'll Boom. offset the golden act. ticket baby golden That's ticket the golden anything ticket. anything <laughs> awesome well good deal Eden, anything else that we should know about this and you know this the secrets of cost seg i think it's just i mean educating people on the basic concept i mean i i myself am a real estate investor and, and i was investing for a bunch of years and i mean lo and behold i called those people you know not the smartest people out there but I myself didn't know about this for about five years investing in real estate and learned about it, educated myself on it, and I've been using it ever since to save a lot of money on taxes. So the point is to spread the word. More people should know about it. And if you have any questions, reach out. I mean, everyone on our team, we're very hands-on. We'll get on a phone call and talk to you for 30 minutes, see how you can implement the strategies. We'll spend time with you answering any questions and just seeing if it's a good fit. I'm not gonna sell you on doing a study if it doesn't make sense. You know, We talked about somebody who sent me multiple properties and he didn't need to do it, so we didn't do the studies. There are other people that, that think they can use it and really they're not gonna gain from it. So we tell them, hey, it doesn't make sense right now. So educate yourself, listen to more podcasts, learn more about it, reach out to me or any other of your COSSEC buddies that can help you out and see if it makes sense for you. You have to at least spend the time to educate yourself and see if it's a good fit. Eden, how can listeners get a hold of you? So I'm on LinkedIn. There aren't too many Eden Markowitzes out there. LinkedIn, Eden Markowitz, Facebook, Eden Markowitz, and email is emarkowitz at madisonspecs.com. Awesome. Eden, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, buddy. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.